0: In Romans, the 12th chapter, we've been on a, a series for some time now, and if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you to uh, go back and get the previous messages. Go online. Uh, it won't cost you anything. It's all free of charge. That's what the word supply is about. We are talking about earlier. It's underwritten by the churches and our partners. But we've been talking about the perfect will of God. And this is an important topic, the perfect will of God. And from uh, Romans 12 and 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here we see, and we'll see it in the next verse, there's some things that are acceptable to him, and there are some things that are unacceptable to him. There are things happening that are his will. And there are things happening that are not his will. And this is, um, this is something much of the church world is confused about. You, you've got so many people that have been taught wrong. And they grew up thinking wrong. Imagining or believing that somehow everything that happens is the mysterious will of God. And, you, and this phrase, and people think they're saying a good thing, but they're actually pushing something that's not true. God is in control. See, that sounds good. But what do you mean by that? What they mean is God is controlling everything. Everybody and everything so that the conclusion is nothing happens unless it's God's will. And everything that happens, no matter how bizarre it may seem, it is the mysterious, even unknowable will of God. These things are not true. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not right. And in the very next verse, notice this. It says, don't be conformed this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, if everything that happens is the will of God, how do we understand that? Why do I need mind renewal? So I can distinguish and discern what the good, acceptable, perfect will of God is, if everything that happens is the will of God. I don't need any discernment. I just wake up and see what happens. And whatever happened must have been the will of God. You don't need any discernment. You don't need to distinguish if it's God's will or not. But the Bible says you do. You got to watch and not be caught up in how the world believes Or you'll think and believe something wrong about the will of God. And you've got to have mind renewal so that you can distinguish and go, this is not the will of God. And this is the good will of God. And even to find out the perfect will of God. And that word perfect means complete. The complete will of God. Well, if there's a complete will of God, what else must there be? Incomplete or partial. Partial. And so there are many people on the planet that are completely out of the will of God. Of course, lost people, unsaved people, people that don't even believe in God. How are they in the will of God? Didn't the Bible say in Timothy, it's God's will for everybody to be saved? And in Peter, you know, God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Well, if they're not saved, they're out of the will of God. Because we know the will of God is for them to be saved. But billions are not saved. Because he won't force you to receive him. So they're out of the will of God. And then they're believers. You can be in the will of God but not as far as being saved, but then not care about his plan for your life. Make your own plans. Or you can be partially in his will. Do some of it, but not do the rest of it. Because you got a free will. But if you're smart, and I believe I, we pastor smart people. I'll let somebody else pastor the dumb ones. I, and you should say, <laughs> smart people know that the best thing you can do is go all in with God. Is that right? And, and find and pursue the perfect, complete entire will of God. Do you agree with that thought? Then say it out loud, Father God, God, I desire desire to know know and to do do. your complete will, your perfect perfect will will for my life. life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look with me in Ephesians 5. If you go there, let me just remind, because I know some were with us, some were not with us for these previous parts in Ephesians 5 and 15 he said see that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise so could you could you act like a fool yeah obviously <laughs> I would not need to tell you hey don't act a fool <laughs> act wise what's, what's acting wise redeeming the time what's the opposite of that Wasting your time. Can you waste your time? Yeah, you can. Redeeming your time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, if everything that happens is the will of God, you don't need any understanding to determine what is and what is not. But according to the Bible, you do. And he says, don't be a fool, don't be unwise, understand what the will of the Lord is. Said out loud, I can can understand understand what the will of the Lord is. In, uh, don't turn there, but in Psalm 143.10, Psalm 143.10, he said, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. That's a good prayer for all of us to pray. So let's just do it right now. Say it out loud. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Notice That learning to do his will is connected to his spirit and the spirit's leading. In Romans 8, go there please. How are we going to find the will of God? We've already talked quite a bit about it. His word is his will. If he tells you something's his will in the word and tells you to do something, you don't need to pray about that. Just do it. Right? But then there's a whole lot of other details of life. Where do you go to school? What's your profession? Who do you marry? I mean, the list goes on and on. It'd be hard for you to find a verse that had your name and the place and that kind of thing. So how do I find that out? How do I find what the will of God is about that? Thank God for his spirit. I said, thank God for His Spirit. You'll find the general of the will of God in His written word, and that'll always agree with anything the Spirit shows you. But then you can also get details, even for the small affairs of life, much less the big ones, by His Spirit. Oh, somebody say, "By by His Spirit. By His Spirit. So in Romans 8, did you get there? Romans 8:11 says but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you does he yes. yeah then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you said out loud his spirit lives in me, lives in me. so what else does he do he quickens now the quickening that's not mental ascent or cognitive action, that's what we were talking about earlier. That's experiencing the life of God. And he goes on to say, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What's being led have to do with quickening. It's it's one and the same. And in verse... uh, 15, you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, and the spirit itself, a better translation says himself, because Jesus always referred to the Holy Spirit as he, him, the spirit himself bears witness with what? Our spirit that we are the children of God. What is this? This is right in line with the quickening. The Spirit of God quickens your body. He also quickens your mind. And he quickens your spirit. And in this particular thing in verse 16, what is it? He's uh, the Spirit of God bears witness, not with your head, not with your intellect, with your inner man, with your spirit, that we are the children of God. Can he let you know beyond question that you are a child of God? And every believer has this witness. You have it. If he can let you know that, he could let you know something else. Is that right? Go to John, Gospel of John 16, please. John 16. Jesus talked about that he was leaving, and he was giving another comforter, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And in John, you go to John 16 and verse 13, and I'll read before we get there, chapter 14 said, the Spirit of God will teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said to you. Well, Now that, that's him letting you know more than that you are a child of God. Not even a single yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> hey, yeah. Can the Spirit of God let you know other things? Well, the, here he said he'll teach you all things. And the 16th chapter and the 13th verse, 16 13, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will what? Guide, Guide you into all truth. He will the last part of the verse said he will show you things to come. Would this include the plan of God? Oh, huh. Yes. The plan of God is the wisdom of God. They're inseparable. Why? Well, the wisdom of God has to do with him seeing the end from the beginning. And seeing the outcomes of different actions. And and so his plan is his wisdom that will get you where he wants you to be with what he wants you to have, doing what he wants you to do, accomplishing what he wants you to accomplish, which can be so different and will be so different than what you imagined on your own or in the beginning and will be way bigger and beyond what you thought or imagined. And, And he won't show you the whole thing on purpose. Because he's a faith God. He will lead you in steps. And it will take faith to take those steps. But his spirit will lead you and guide you. You cannot find and follow and fulfill the perfect will of God without following his spirit. Without being led by his spirit. And so if that's a new concept to you, you want to make that a priority. You want to find out, you know, we have in the ministry here in the churches a number of series on how to be led. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagan Sr., has a book called How to Be Led by the Spirit. I highly recommend that you get that. He got that, that revelation straight from the head of the church. And in scripture, 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 every step of the way, the spirit of God is a real person. Right. Yes. He lives inside you 24 yes. yes. seven, but you can completely ignore him. If you choose and act like he's not even there, you can make your own plans. You can bumble and fumble and fall and mess things up and start over 50 times and waste your life. And he will be right there on the inside. And let you do it. Even though he knows everything. About everything. He knows exactly what you should do. Where you should go. When. How. But he won't override you. You got to ask. You got to check. You got to show respect. We talked about this earlier. that The scripture said, you know, we talked about the plan of God is the wisdom of God. And it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is that? Respect. Got to show some respect. And the book said in Proverbs, in all your ways. Proverbs 3. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. What does that mean? It means... A thousand times a day, you need to be checking inside, checking inside, checking inside. Not trying to have a vision, not trying to hear an audible voice, not trying to feel goosebumps or, or this or that. Looking for the witness. Witness of the Spirit. Do I go here? Do I go there? Do I talk to them? Do I not talk to them? Do I do it now? Do I wait? You're not supposed to just do this on your own. Because you don't know enough. And even no matter how much research you do. How brilliant you might be. You still don't know enough. You're never going to know enough. For instance, what do you know about the future? But he does. The one who lives inside you. He will lead you. And guide you. Into all the truth. That includes the plan of God. He'll bring everything to your remembrance that the Lord has said to you. He will show you things to come. Does that sound like the plan? That's that's the plan. Say it out loud. He shows me things to come. He guides me into all the truth. Now that's part of the component. The other part is you got to listen. You got to follow. You got to you got to follow now one of the things that he we, we just got through seeing it that he will lead and guide us in is God's timing the timing of the Lord. Go to Ecclesiastes if you would in in the uh, third chapter in Ecclesiastes 3 most folks, been around church are familiar with this to some degree. Ecclesiastes three and one. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Everything? Every purpose. Now that word season is significant because season does not mean a precise on January the 1st. That's not a season. A season is an area of time. Like springtime. Harvest season. A season. And to everything there is a season. And a time. For every purpose under the heaven. Time to be born. Every time You see the word time. I want you to say it out loud with me. Are you ready? Verse 2 says what? A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plan and a time to pluck up what's planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. (laughs) Whew. <laughs> if he said it one time, it's significant, but why does he keep saying this? Why? What's the emphasis? There's a time. There's a time for it. And we know that that word "time means season." That's what he started off with. A season for it. Keep reading: A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones, a time to embrace time to refrain from embracing. Time to get, time to lose, time to keep, time to cast away, time to rent, time to sow, A time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace to everything. There's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. That means if there's a time for it, what else does that mean? There's a time when it's not time for that. Well, how are you going to know what time it is? If it's time to do it or if it's time not to do it, how are you going to know? In Ecclesiastes 3, 11, just skip down a couple of verses, it said this, it says, He has made everything beautiful in His time. Young's literal translation says it like this, The whole He has made beautiful in its season. See, it uses that word. And knowledge He has put in their heart, "...without which man finds not out the work of God that he's done from the beginning even to the end." So you can't find it unless God gives you the wisdom and knowledge to find it. You can't just figure it out on your own and in your head. But then he's made everything beautiful in its season. There's a season when it's immature, when it's not so pretty, when it's not ready... And then there's a season when it is perfect time, perfect season. Look in the 8th chapter and the 4th verse, Ecclesiastes 8 and 4. Verse 4 says, what the word of a king is, there's power. And of course, greatest king of all is Jesus, the king of kings. And uh, who may say to him, what doest thou? Verse 5, whoever keeps the commandment that the king gave shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. The perfect will of God involves not only what, but when. Not only what, but when. We need to discern what, but it's possible to try to do a a good and right thing at the wrong time and not get the results. You know, uh, Moses, when he was 40 years old, the scripture says it came, we're actually reading these things now in Genesis, we'll be getting into more of this with Abraham and Moses. But it came into his heart when he's 40 years old that he was supposed to help his Hebrew brethren and help deliver them and help free them. And so he saw one being mistreated and he stepped in and and tried to help and wind up killing this guy. And then the next day, some other folks found out about it and he was trying to straighten up an argument. What's he trying to do? He's trying to be a deliverer. He's trying to be a a judge and separate and and be a leader. And the guy said, who made you a ruler over us? You going to kill me like you did that Egyptian the other day? And he thought, "Uh uh-oh, this thing is out. And he had to run for his life. Was he a judge of God's people? Born to be it. Was he a deliverer? Was he a leader? Born to be it. But he tried to get it started 40 years early. And uh, he had to run for his life. It, it didn't the people didn't support him. His timing yes. right thing, right idea. Was he right about that that was God's call on his life? Absolutely. Wrong time. Wrong place, wrong situation. You know, when the enemy tempted Jesus those 40 days and 40 nights and he took him up. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said, uh, if you'll fall down and worship me, all of this will be yours. Why would that be a temptation? Who is Jesus? What's his destiny? (laughs) King of kings. Is that right? Lord of lords. Why would that be a temptation? Because that's who he is. That's, That's what his call and grace is. And the enemy is saying, hey, here it is. Wrong time, wrong place, wrong way. Come on, can you see that? But see, that's how the enemy works. Even something that you know is right, he'll try to get you to miss it, doing a right thing at the wrong time and the wrong way. Do we need the help of the Holy Spirit? Oh, we do. I said we do. Let me read that in another translation. Uh, verse uh, Ecclesiastes 8:5 had said, A wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because to every purpose there is time and judgment. The, uh, the new century says it like this. A wise person does the right thing at the right time. And there's a right time and a right way for everything. That's the New Century Version, Ecclesiastes 8, 5, and 6. Today's English Version says it like this. A wise man knows how and when to do it. There is a right time and a right way to do everything, but we know so little. That's what that translation said. But he knows it all. Right? And we, our minds can be influenced and we can pick up from him. And we can know it. That's why 1 Corinthians talks about that uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it had not entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. And people stop quoting right there. Oh no, quote the next verse. <laughs> Eyes has not seen, ears not heard, you haven't understood. The next verse says, but he has revealed things to us by his spirit. Right. You can't figure it out on your own. But you're not on your own. I said, you're not on your own. You got him. Somebody said, I'm not on my own. I've got him. He leads me. He guides me. He gives me discernment to know when and how. Now, if you'll read the gospel accounts looking for this, oh, you'll see it. Jesus was led by the Spirit. I mean with precision. Precision. He wasn't early, he wasn't late, he was always at the right place, at the right time. I mean, he was precision led by the Spirit of God. And he said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said, I only say what I hear him say, I only do what I see him do. I do always those things that please him. You talk about being led by the Spirit, you'll never find a better example than Jesus, the head of the church, but you've got to look for it to see it. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do it sometime looking for Jesus being led. I'll help you get started. <laughs> Go to John, the seventh chapter. I'll give you a couple of freebies, okay?) <laughs> Phyllis says, you're not funny. I said, well, why are you laughing then? (laughs) That's a husband and wife, too. (laughs) We're supposed to have joy. We're supposed to be free. Glory to God. We're supposed to enjoy the goodness of God. We're saved. On our way to heaven, And we're not just going to blow and waste all our time down here. We're growing in being precision led in the perfect will of God, just like our master, Jesus. So quit saying, I don't know, and I can't understand, and quit saying that. and, And start saying, he orders my steps. He directs my path. He leads me. He guides me. I acknowledge Him in all my ways, and He directs my paths. That's right. Yes, sir. What's the result of that? I wind up at the right place, at the right, right. at the right time. I know the right thing to say and do, and the right way to do it. All these things matter, and the only way to get it right is by the leading of the Spirit. He's always going to lead you in line with the written word. In uh, John 2, and then we'll look at John 7, you'll find a lot of this in the book of John. So if if you want to save time, start there. (laughs) Start in the gospel of John. What what would you be looking for? Jesus being led led by the Spirit. And um, in, in detail, being led in detail. John 2, 3, you know, there was a wedding feast, and Jesus and and his mom and and the disciples went there, and when they wanted wine, Jesus' mother told him, verse 3, they don't have any wine. Verse 4, Jesus said to her woman, what have I to do with thee? Read that next part. My My hour is not yet come. And so without going into the rest of it, was he aware of it being the right time for something or not being the right time? Did did he think that way? If you skip down to the seventh chapter, man, this is really clear. 7-1, John 7 and 1. I'm going to read this out of the NIV. It said, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee... Purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews were there waiting to take his life. Now, this is much earlier than when it actually happened. Earlier than when it happened. So, did it matter whether they were able to kill him before he finished his ministry or not? Somebody said, well, that that could never happen. Well, yeah, but Jesus acted like it was important what to do and when and how. Uh See, people are careless, claiming everything's the will of God. And this is also why a lot of good people die young and die wrong, just being foolish. We've got to pay attention. Life is precious, and life is short. And yeah, when the Lord tells you to do something, if it means being bold and stepping out, what might look like risky to somebody else, you need to be willing to do it. But only if you know he told you to do it and do it now and do it this way, because you get some of that wrong and you could be cut short when it was not God's perfect will. Because you just launched into something on your own, didn't pray Didn't wait on him, not following him. It's not safe to not follow. And follow closely. So anyway, they were waiting for him to show up at this time. And they planned to kill him then. But when the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers. Now these are his flesh and blood brothers. Well, you know, Joseph was not his Father, He was born without the natural father, but he grew up with these uh, these boys, and now they're men. His natural brothers said, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles that you do. Because no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. It went on to say, for his brothers did not believe in him. That's tough. And you know it wasn't because Jesus didn't live a good life in front of them. He lived a perfect life in front of them. And they still chose not to believe in him. Now thank God later on at least some of them came around. We know James did. But at that point they're telling him he needs to go there now. And show everybody who he is. And uh, notice what he said. Verse 6, I'm reading the NIV. So Jesus told them the right time for me has not yet come. But for you, any time's (laughs) okay. Why? Didn't make any difference when they went. Why? Well, the Jewish leaders are not looking for them. (laughs) Right? Now, are there lessons to learn here? I mean, there's a lot more in this passage, but just because your family is pushing you to do something or do something now does not mean you should do it. I think you ought to do it right now, you know. I've had people, you know, get irritated with me. about, Well, can we do this at the church? Or can we start this? Or can we do this or the other? And, and sometimes I told them too many times, no, no I don't think so. People said, well, well why can't we, we do what we want to do on this? And I said, well, I don't do what I want to do. Why would I do what you want me to do? <laughs> That's not real enough to people, but if if, if Jesus really is the big boss. Right. I said, if he is yes. then we should be checking in with him. And if we can't get it clear with Him, we shouldn't just start and do things. And, you know, after, you know, 40 plus years of of walking with Him in ministry, I'm seeing it clearer and clearer. It matters. Everything we do, when we do it, how we do it, you need to pray. You need to seek God. You need to learn to listen. And uh, so many times, uh, it's just it's just not time or it's not the right way or, or the place. And, and, and so many times when you cannot get settled on it, it's because you hadn't got the rest of the pieces yet. And you do not need to just fill in the blanks and blare through. You've done that and you know how it turns out. <laughs> Keep reading. He said, uh, verse 8. Jesus said, you go to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast because for me, the right time has not yet fully come. And so having said this, he stayed in Galilee. They were pushing him to go. He said, no, I'm staying. But he didn't stay there that long. His brothers left for the feast. And he went also in secret. At the feast of the Jews they were watching for him. They said, where is that man? And and among the crowds there was widespread whispering. Some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he deceives the people. But nobody would say anything about him publicly for fear of the Jews. So it it was hot for Jesus to go there i mean the place was just ready to ignite so what do you do until you find out what to do you stay yourself home you pray even if you're jesus oh i don't know if y'all heard that or not you see a lot of folks you know being immature they say well yeah but you know i quote the 91st psalm over me all the time and so uh, nothing can happen, you know, except you know it's supposed to happen. And so what does it matter? I'm protected. I'm going. And you know they can't kill me unless it's God's will. Really? You sure about that? You got to listen. Got to pay attention. It matters. That's why the enemy pushes so hard this stuff about everything's the will of God, anything's okay. He's the one who wants you to jump out ahead of God, wrong thing, wrong time, and actually be in disobedience and wind up on his turf where he can take you out. He can do you harm, and then if you don't know any better, you'll turn around and blame God. And the problem was, you got out of the will of God. And, and part of the will of God is the timing. You can almost hear people saying, you mean I'm going to have to pray and find out and figure out where and when to go and how to do things? You got it. Yeah, if, if you want to be safe, if you want things to be right, if you want them to turn out the way the Lord wants them. And uh, it said, uh, verse 14, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. He waited till it was half over. Wow. Why? He didn't have a witness to go until then. That's right. And wouldn't have gone at all right. unless he got the witness. Is this important? Yes, sir. Halfway through, I mean, things half over. And he shows up and starts teaching in the temple. And they were amazed. And they said, how did this man get such learning without having studied? Now skip down to verse 30. After they heard him teach a little while, it made them so mad they wanted to kill him. There was already this group that was wanting to kill him before he got there. And it says, verse John 7, 30, they sought to take him, but no man laid a hand on him. Why? His hour had not yet come. And he wasn't there early. He wasn't there late. He was on time. What they were trying to do wasn't the right time. And Jesus slipped out. Can you see a component of the will of God? This happened again in John 8.20. In John 11, skip over there though. John 11, this is the situation where Lazarus died. John 11, and you remember that when he died, they sent word to Jesus. You know, he whom you loved is sick, actually before he died, he's sick, and they urgently wanting him to come. And uh, what the Bible say, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So this is letting you know what, what comes next is not because he didn't care or didn't even know them that well. They are dear to him. He stayed with them. He's eating meals in their house. He, he loves them. And verse 6, when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, what did he do? He stayed two more days in the same place where he was. And uh, then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And and, of course, you can see chapter 11 is after chapter 7. And we know that was a hot spot for him to even go, what, three or four chapters earlier And so the disciples said, Master, the Jews of late were trying to stone you. You going to go over there again? (laughs) And he said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of this world. What's he saying? He's walking in the light. The light of what? Revelation. Direction. You know, when he got there, Lazarus, you know, days later... Lazarus is dead. And you remember what one of the sisters said to him? Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. See, they were upset with him. They thought he was late. He wasn't late. (laughs) I said he wasn't late. If he'd have come immediately, motivated by fear, he would have been early. And we wouldn't have the resurrection of Lazarus. Because he said he could do nothing of himself. Didn't he say that? I can of my own self do nothing. So he couldn't just show up when he wanted, the way he wanted, and do what he wanted. Now see, that sounds strange to people. So you're talking about Jesus? I'm quoting what he said. Come on, are y'all with me? He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Is he saying, I am completely dependent to do what the Father directs me to do when, how, Where, so no matter who pulls on him, no matter who pushes him, he waits on that direction. And so then he was then at the right place. Even when people didn't think it, he was. He was at the right place, at the right time. He had the right thing to say and do. And we saw miracles. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. God. Thanks be to God. Thank Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There is a time. There is a a season for everything in our life. I know uh, the Lord led with Phyllis, dealt with Phyllis and I after we'd started hearing some uh materials about faith and about our authority and these things when we first got married. We married young. And uh we got it in our heart, was it 1980, I think it was, 79 or 80, to go to a camp meeting of Brother Hagen's ministry out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was a pretty good drive for us, and we were homebodies, country people. We, we'd never done any traveling, and, and uh, that just kept coming up in us to go. We didn't have the money, Didn't we'd had to take time off from work and all these kind of things, but... Thankfully, we didn't just brush that off and didn't ignore it and we finally talking to each other about it and praying about it, we thought we need to go to this meeting. It's a week-long meeting, camp meeting in July. And I won't go into all the detail, but then it worked out. We, we borrowed my parents' car. <laughs> they had a new car and they let us use it. And uh, I mean the week before we went, People on Phyllis's job handed her money. People on my job handed me money. And as we were driving out to Oklahoma, I said to her, I got money. She said, I do too. <laughs> and we started counting it and we had plenty for our hotel and our food and that kind of thing and our gas. And it was a faith adventure. But when we got out there, we took a tour of the school and we just we found out why. Uh, the Lord prompted us to go. We were not just supposed to go to the meeting. We were supposed to move out there and go to school out there. And um, we came back home, and I had gotten an application, and and Phyllis got it on her. She said, "I think you, I think we need to go, and you go first, and and I, and I'll work, and 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 I think you need to go now, this year. Well, this is July." September's when you start. You know? And your mind goes, "What? You know, it took all the faith we had just to make the trip." You know? and you're talking about relocating, you to and we could have brushed that off, but does it matter when? Does timing matter? And so, what will the spirit of God do? He'll show you things to come. He'll give you glimpses of how it's going and and what to do and and uh so we did, and um, it was interesting because I turned in the application, uh, much at Phyllis's insistence. It wasn't, and she wasn't, you know, trying to override me. But she'd say, uh, "You gonna fill out that application?" And I was like, "I don't know, I don't know," because this was what 40 something years ago. And uh, and she said, I, "I I think maybe we should." I said, "Okay." And I didn't do it. And uh, <laughs> One of the things we needed was recommendation from our pastors. And uh, they wouldn't give it to us. Because it wasn't their denomination. It wasn't their group. And so one of them tried to say, talk me into staying. And said, so we, we don't have that many young people that are even serious about God. Uh, we need you to stay here. And another one told me, isn't the Holy Spirit your teacher? And I said, yeah. Well, isn't he here? Yeah. Can't he teach you here? I guess. But, but you see, that's reasoning. That's not revelation. And if I'd listened to them, you and I wouldn't be talking. Can you see that? All these years of ministry wouldn't have happened. But uh, we, we did, and they accepted us in spite of <laughs> all these things and we showed up over there and I felt impressed to go to healing school and and prayer school and come to find out in just a couple of months they're going to start prayer and healing center. And when they wanted to get a couple of volunteers to start helping them out, I was one of two that started on a a regular basis. What if we'd have been five years late? You You see what I'm saying? Did it matter when we were there. And looking back now, it mattered. We didn't know. We didn't know what was happening. And every juncture has been that way, starting this church. And we know we just celebrated 20 years. But how'd you know Branson instead of there's places all over the country, all over the world to go? How do you know here? And how'd you know then? Seeking God. Right? Paying attention to the witness. And knowing that we not only need what, we need where. And we need when. Is that right? Right. So you don't stop short and just fill in the blanks and just try to work it all out yourself. You just keep, every day you're checking. on, on, On everything. Every day, we, you know, we're talking about digging these holes and building this portico. People say, well, you're just building a porch. Uh-uh. You need to be led on every piece. And thank God we got good guys now and, and men and women that they have been practicing being led by the Spirit also for years, and they know how to pay attention. And we have been spared so many problems. We have been saved so much. Isn't that right? I mean, we could stand here and tell you testimonies for years of how many things. Why? Because instead of just blaring through, you stopped and you checked. And when you had a check, you said, hold on, wait up, we need to check on this. What's going on? Let's call. Let's double check. Yeah, but they already said Yeah, but follow that witness. And check it, whatever he tells you, and you'll find out. You'll find out. You know this uh, project that we had a while back on the um, parsonage project. I wanted to do that not a project, but I wanted to build onto the house a nice bedroom suite, especially for Phyllis to enjoy it. Five years before that happened, I really wanted to do it, I mean the first of those five years, but I just knew we're not there. There's Something's not, I couldn't get clearance on it. I never imagined it would be a project. Talking about a church project that other people could be a part. If you'd asked me are you going to do it that way? I'd say, oh, no. No, I don't want to. Don't have to. Don't want to. But the Lord had that plan. And five, somebody say five years. Five years. Five years, five years later, With those of you that were around, it worked out so perfectly. We're getting a constant stream of testimonies in. Does it matter when? Yes. Can you know the will of God? He said, don't be foolish. Don't be unwise, but understanding what The will of the Lord is. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be sucked into doing things. So haphazardly. And randomly. Like the unsaved unbelieving world does it. But get renewed. I believe that's happening this morning. That's happening throughout this series. Get renewed. In your mind. So that you can do what? Distinguish and prove. What is that good and acceptable. And perfect will of God. You find out from him. What? What? Where, who, when. Hallelujah. If you don't have it, you wait till you do. Is that right? You seek till you do. Till you get clear. And then when you do, he'll be in it. He'll prosper it. He'll keep it. He'll protect it. And it'll turn out to his glory. And his perfect will will have been done. Can you say amen? Everybody stand on your feet.